Hey everybody, on today's podcast we're going to talk about my backstory, John's backstory, uh, coming from starting off what motivated me as a, a youngster to playing football at the University of Florida and uh, not realizing that the lessons that I learned there were going to be everything that ultimately pushed us towards uh, being able to create our company that we have created today with It's Possible uh, Virtual Solutions. So uh, you'll hear our welcome message and then we'll get started. Welcome to the It's Possible podcast, where we tackle topics between life, business, and everything in between, and how we make it all possible with your hosts, John and Amy. Let's take it away. So we start off where I am just a really fat little kid. I was, what, like 180 pounds in the fourth grade? Mm-hmm. And, like, this is, you're coming home every day, and uh, you're crying because you're a fat little kid, and everybody else that's not fat really wants to make sure that you understand that, 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 you're... that you're fat, in case you were unaware of your fatness, right? That's so sad. I know, it's wonderful. It does wonders. So, but the story, right, so the, the what ends up being told to me uh, by my parents, which is great, because um, it definitely is something that you hang your hat on and when your you're a little kid. Right? Well, the pediatrician was 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 helpful uh, for other way. I'm sure for my parents, for us being parents, having gone to pediatricians, and sometimes you get uh, oh, well, yeah, we've but... lived in some different areas where one pediatrician is trying to convince you that you need to put your two year old on a diet. Yeah, you know, we really you really appreciate the pediatricians that are like real human beings that yeah. are like. No, it's going to be okay. So that's definitely was my my parent. Our my pediatrician was awesome, right? But no, the story that gets told that my parents tell me all the time is, don't worry about the kids that are making fun of you now. Mm-hmm. Is they're going to stop growing in the fifth grade, and you're gonna yeah. you're gonna keep getting bigger and keep getting stronger. And once you are in you know, essentially, once you're in high school, once you become, start becoming an adult, and essentially it's, it's hit puberty, you'll be able to crush all these little assholes, right? And so that's <laughs> so that 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 fuels fuels you. And so in California, where we were, you, you couldn't play football uh, if you were too heavy, right? The All American, and I've heard of other states having where it's like if you were the big kids, they just put an X on your helmet or whatever it was you had to play. Um, a line position, right? right? Defensive line, offensive line. Um, but that's not what it was where we were. Where we were, it's if you were too big, you weren't, you couldn't play, period, right? And and uh, we always used to joke around about the ideas like, well, it's, we want to be able to allow the kids that are never really going to actually play football later to be able to have an opportunity to play football. That was always, right? That was the, the story that my parents always told, you know, that yeah. was what we told each other. But make yourself feel better. Well, make yourself, yeah, because you can't play. You can't play. So it's just yeah. like, well, you got to let these, you got to let the, you know, you got to let the little people, they got to be able to play. And, but that was what it was. So it was always the kids that were, that were cruel, right? And, um, and so that was, sure enough, it's, I, I love football and I didn't even get to play, play it until I got to high school. Right. Uh, because of the size. 
And so that's where... Well, uh, are you going to discuss the fact that people try to get your dad to sign you up, but just oh, to sign the, you up with, like, the high school kids when you were right. in Itty Bitty Yeah, so, so once I was, I was fourth grade, so that's um, nine... Yeah, it's Michael's yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, so nine. So that's where they, they wanted you to, a lot of folks would be like, well, well you, you can just sign them up to be able to play. So you're a fourth grader to play with like the eighth and ninth graders. And so thankfully, my parents and their infinite wisdom were like, no, no, <laughs> we won't, not we're not going to do that. We'll, we'll wait. He'll just wait. And so that's what it was. So, so, I got to, so I got to play. So what fueled everything that I did, every sport that I played was ultimately to help me with football. So I played, we were in Southern California, so I played volleyball. Men's volleyball was a thing. Um, we played basketball, right? And ultimately I did you know, volleyball, basketball, track and field, uh, played a bunch of different sports in high school, but it was always to help with football, right? My goal was always to play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so everything that I did, I went to class, I got good grades so I could play football. I went to class, did my homework so that I could stay eligible and the only way you get to the NFL is you got to go to college first. So it's you need to make sure you're going to class because then you need to be able to get into college so you can continue to play football to get to the NFL. So ultimately, as I end up getting a master's degree in education and I teach, but the only reason I ever went to college was to play sports. I did not know that. Well, I knew that, but I didn't know that like, in, like if football was not a thing that your route would have been drastically different. Oh, I, I, I would seriously think so. Because the reality was, is I, I had no desire. I literally had, I had nothing else that was of interest. It just was football. Mm. I lived it. I, it was living and breathe. Oh, yes. I became very much aware of this when we started dating. And I was a very big blockade... <laughs> In your life, from your family's perspective, I was a bug to be crushed. If it well, I think it was grandma. That. Grandma, I think when we told grandma that we got engaged, it was just like, well, you know, girlfriend, they're just they just bring weak knees. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just going to be a distraction. Mm -hmm. Grandma, we're we're getting married. Like this isn't this is not like a. You know, anyway, so, so the goal was that, right? So the goal was to play college football, was to, to go to the NFL. So, so we do it. So I, we go, I, I, I get the opportunity to go and play, and I go and play at the University of Florida. Um, lots of motivating factors for me, right? So it was uh, when I was a little kid, right, I had um, <laughs> some, some family members that uh, their style of motivation for me was that you're fat, you know, again, was to help remind you that you're fat mm -hmm. and that you're not athletic and that you won't be successful. Mm -hmm. Because you're fat. Because mm -hmm. you're fat. Mm -hmm. um, so that's helpful psychologically when you're little. But um, also had, you know, some coaches and stuff that were like, you know, you're not going to be successful, you're not going to be successful. You're going to go to Florida. You're you're not fast enough. You're not strong enough. You're never going to play, right? And you're just going to come back home. So a lot of those external pressures and desires to be able to go and, and be successful. Um, and so I go. So essentially tell everybody, you know, fly a kite, right? <laughs> and there's <laughs> always that debate of whether or not we're going to make these explicit um, uh, episodes or not. But um, yes. so it's – I go – and the first year that I'm at Florida, we win the national championship. Yes. And so that makes you just look like a genius. Right. As far as like, well, do you stay in California and do you go to UCLA or do you go to 
to go to Florida. Those are my two options. Well, because, as a backstory, is your grandparents were, like, massive donors to UCLA. It was kind of always expected that that was supposed to be your route. Of... For sure. Yeah, I grew up going to all, all, the, all the games, whether they were volleyball games, basketball games, right. football games, for sure. Just uh, I'm sure just millions upon millions of dollars donated. Yep. So definitely UCLA was in the DNA. But they looked like they were going to suck at football. Right. And again, I wasn't choosing a university of where I was going to go to school. I was choosing a university based off of how good their football team was and what the best opportunity was to go play in the NFL. And how did your parents feel? Because, like, as a parent, if that becomes my child's focus, I feel like I would struggle with that a my, little bit. My parents didn't go to college. Well, they didn't graduate did my, college. But, but you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, but, like for your son. But I want you to think about like how how you know it it uh, yeah no my my parents so like there was okay it was because my just because I ha I had a goal and that goal kept me on the right track yeah you know what I mean I so it was like, like I'm still going to school thing, right this is what keeps him off drugs and keeps him from like yeah you don't get a girl pregnant right because. It's then you can't, go play, you can't go play football. I mean, like, I, you can. I mean, I learned that later, right? It's that... <laughs> actually, actually, you majority, were the majority majority, majority of the guys that we played football with, you know, ended up having kids and sometimes lots of kids. But, um, no, the idea was that it just was... It, it makes it very hard to have those types of things going on, right? If you're going to have a family, so you go to school, you go to class, you do all those things, right? And so that's what keeps you on the right track. So I think that as a, as a parent, I think that that keeps you... Looking at it, looking at your kids, saying, okay, so they there. really did not care about the quality of the college. It was just like, well, whatever. Well, we'll, well keep here's the to, thing: yeah. if you if you go to a, if you play football at a school that has a, a really great football team, mm -hmm. especially like Division One, look at those schools. I guess they're, yes. Yeah, they're, they're, they're some of the best schools. With, right, right. They're some of the best schools in the country. Right now, not like a lot of guys that I went to high school with. They played uh, football at Cornell and Georgetown, and they went to some schools that were like they were, you know, the borderline Ivy League schools because they were unbelievably smart and are and we came from an affluent area. Well, you, didn't you get an offer from Stanford? Didn't I until they saw my grades? <laughs> <laughs> so I never got it, like the offer, offer, but definitely Stanford was one of those schools that I had been to a lot, and and um. And uh, did a lot of their camps and and um, had enough attention. But it, once my grades became, my, I was not a stellar academic. I was very uh, lazy when it came to school. Mm. I literally just did whatever I needed to do to play football, you know. And so, all right, continue. So so um, so we I we get there. We win the national championship, and on the outside, everyone it's like, oh man, you went from yo, you're the biggest idiot. You won't be successful. You just won, won the national championship with your team. Right. But you don't win that national championship, right? And, that's, and that sounds like, well, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. It's a team sport. But it's, no, no, no. If, if, you, aren't the one, if you aren't playing, the, the ring, the championships, everything that you win, when you're really not that, when you're not a contributor to the team, that is very much kind of a, a black eye feeling. To where it's we won, and yeah, and you put in blood, sweat, and and tears to help as a practice squad player, say, but not on the field. But you're not on the field. There's a totally different sensation that I have about the 2006 national championship team, and then when we won again in 2008. And so, um, but anyway, so the the difference is, is that we we got there. 
So we got we got to Florida and we're playing. And you redshirt your first year, which means you don't play. So you do all the practicing, you do all the, the all that work when it comes to on the practice squad, but you're not going to play to be able to save a year of eligibility. And this is going to get into the high weeds, but ultimately it's it it's you just agree that you're not going to play any games and the NCAA is going to allow you to be able to play football for not just four years, but you could play for five years, right? Mm-hmm. And that's is redshirting. Um, you're on the practice squad and you can say, oh, well, I'm on the practice squad and I'm putting in time because I'm redshirting. And it's like, you're also not good enough to actually play. Right. And I think that's where a lot of guys are going to maybe do a little bit of lying to themselves where it's like, well, it's a redshirt year because of whatever. And it's like, it's a redshirt year because like there are other guys that come out that are freaks of nature. Mm-hmm. They're going to show up their freshman year and they're going to dominate. Mm-hmm. Well, why aren't they redshirting? Oh, because they're good enough to play. So right. I think it's some being able to have people be honest with themselves. But you show, so we're there putting in time, right? You, you're, you have the suckiest lift times because you're new. We were also a walk on. So that adds another dynamic when it comes to, uh, earning kind of your stripes when it comes to being there, essentially it's, you weren't really recruited. Uh, you desperately want to be a part of the team. Uh, you're paying your own way. And so you, the reality is, is that the team's going to have put a lot of money and time into these players that they have recruited and brought in. Of course. So you don't want to have um, a mistake on your investment. They've invested. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, you, it, these are business decisions. Right. As I say, you'd have to walk a very fine line as a walk-on in regards to that because... Well, for sure, because the guys that are going to come in, they've been invested in, so it is the university, those coaches, when it comes to recruiting, is you they don't want to have a recruiting mistake. And that was, sometimes, that was brutal when they would have a guy that they brought in mm-hmm. that just didn't pan out, that was a scholarship athlete, because mm-hmm. they would tell them, you know, it's just, it, it was brutal. But they would tell you, you know, you you were a mistake. You didn't pan out. And it's just, again, it's it's the nature of the beast, man. I know, but they're boys. Yeah, but it sucks to suck. I mean, the reality is, is that once you're there, it's, you have to be able to show out. You have to, you know, you were recruited, you showed that you were capable, and if you don't, then it sucks, but it's like life. If it, it's, it's a very, very good lesson to learn. Yeah, it just it's it, it's psychologically, I'm sure, devastating because you go from being the best of the best where you're from. Yeah, big think, fish, small pond. And you think you are God's gift to Earth, and then and you're told you're God's gift to Earth, right? And because the is... recruiting process, like they're gonna throw the kitchen sink at you, right? To, to, get come, you to come to come to that university, and you even have some guys though that were big fish in big ponds mm-hmm. and get to college and for whatever reason, just what, whatever. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Right. And a lot of times it can deal with the style of the team, the style of a lot of different things. Well, it's the same it thing going out. from college to NFL as well. So. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. I'm, it's just this, that next big, big step up. Yeah. Those massive jumps. Yeah. But, um, so you're there and this will give you an idea of what it's like, right? So being a walk on, on the team, you're there, you're putting in time, right? You have the suckiest lift times. You, uh, as a practice squad player, right? You, you don't get to have the jersey that has your name on it, right? You get like an old um, orange jersey that you swear, like the equipment guys don't don't wash all the time. This is like and, torturous psychological warfare. But you're in, you want to play. You want to be there. Like you want to be there so bad and be able to show that you can do it. So you have all these motivating factors. Um, 
but so you're you're there day in and day out. You're practicing. You essentially are like your fodder for the first and second string. Like you were thrown out there. They give you a card to to read. Like okay, you run there, and there's going to be plays that the other team is going to play against your starters, mm-hmm. and you get obliterated, just destroyed by guys that are going to play on Sunday. You know, the one thing that was unique about playing in Florida was the guys that. The majority of the guys that I played against right. were all in the NFL. Right. So and currently are. And currently are in the NFL. Right. And so, but they're just wrecking you. So you are your first year. You are 18 years old, and you're gonna go against a guy that's 21, and he is getting drafted at the end of the season in the first round, and he's just destroying you every play. So right, so you're doing these things, right? You're putting in, and you so, are bait. You're, oh, absolutely. You are fish <laughs> You are really. And, it's, and so anyway, this is the perfect story of, of what it's like so you can fully appreciate what it's like of being a walk-on. So you're putting in all that time. You're putting all of that effort. And so mm-hmm. your coach, you're going to walk by your coach every day. You're going to do it for two years, the same coach, and he's going to have the exact same conversation with you every time that you see him for two years. And this conversation is going to go like this. Hey. Hi, coach. Hey, you're that Mormon kid, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Your family, your your family knows the strong family, and right, that's the family that that some that you have this weird right. connection with. Um. Oh, yeah. Ab- ab- yes, absolutely. He goes, man. Well, that's so great. How's your mom? My my mom is great. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you out there. That exact same conversation is going to happen every time that you ran into that coach. Do you want to know why? Because he doesn't. Know who you are. He doesn't know who you are. And that's what it's like. So you're dying every day. You're putting in the work. All you want to do is be seen. And the reality is, is the coaches don't know who you are. Yeah, they don't know your name. They don't know your name. Because they haven't invested in you financially. Why would they have time to worry about you? Because you probably are high on the priority list for someone who his entire livelihood all these coaches, the, the money they make, the houses they live in, the food that they put on the table for their families to eat is not relying on whether or not they know your name. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's where it definitely is perspective. But so it's, that's what it's like playing. All you do is want to play. And the worst part is, is that if you aren't a guy that's playing on the field and you have a position, uh, you get tickets to the game, and that's great because that's one of the things. But you get two tickets, and one of the tickets is for you. <laughs> so you get to practice. You get to do all this stuff with the team. But then on game day, you're sitting in the stands with your mom. Because yeah. you're going to make sure mom can go. And mom is so excited because mom has the little button that has your face on it that she bought from the team, the parents' you store. Know, store. Yeah. And she's super excited. She's got a jersey that she's gotten custom made that has the name on it. And you're sitting next to her in the stands. And um, there's just it, there's a certain thing that just rips out your guts when you're sitting watching your teammates play football. Mm-hmm. You're in the stands. Your mom is so proud. So she's telling everybody that her son plays for the team. And it's, oh, in fact, he's right here. Mm-hmm. And the very next question that everyone's going to ask is, so you're on the team. You're on the team now. Yeah, yeah. Well, how come you're not on the? How come you're not on the the field? Well, because and whatever you're about to say, you just eventually just be like, I'm injured. 
Yeah. I got hurt, and uh, they're set, only allowed to have 75 players. Uh, it's it's conference games, so many rules, you know, things. Right. And you just die a little bit inside, right, each time you have to go through that. Right. And so, eventually, so that that's that's what's happening. So, the reality is, is that I really wanted to play defensive line. And that was my big focus, was I'm, I'm going to play defensive line, I'm going to do these things. And, and I learned... Um, not as quickly as I should have, that I'm probably not going to play defensive line at the University of Florida. Um, the reality is, is there's not a shortage of defensive linemen or defensive players at Florida, right? There's going to be certain positions and certain um, areas of the football teams, depending on where you go to school at, of where they're going to be dominant. Florida schools are notoriously dominant at defense. defense right. You know what I mean? And so that's where so eventually I'm I hit this point where I'm not playing and I'm getting hurt. Like hurt hurt. Like mm-hmm. ruptured discs in my neck, uh uh you know, multiple concussions and you're putting in this time and again a little bit like a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. So you're just you're showing up, you're doing these things and so you kind of hit this wall where you're like what what am I doing? Mhm. This is brutal. This is brutal. I keep, uh, I, I'm not making any progress. And in fact, like every new class that comes in, all these new freshmen that have come in that are being recruited, they go ahead. They go ahead of you, right? right. As the walk on, so you keep earning your spot. And so this is where um, a conversation that uh, um, the mentor um, that's on the team is the team lawyer, right? This is like the wise man, sage individual. He's like the owl and Pooh Bear. That's exactly, or like the was the willow tree and Pocahontas. Yes, right. So, uh, so this definitely is this character, mm-hmm. and he gives he drops like these nuggets all the time, but a little bit like the willow tree where she is a little crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But she has all this wisdom. This right. is just totally this person and he and he was awesome mm-hmm. and so we dropped this awesomeness and it always would be mixed with a little bit of crazy mm-hmm. and that was what it, what is makes him lovable but he had been saying for years right the idea of just do your job focus on how you can help the team do these things and and at this point when i was kind of in the lower of lows right i had, mm-hmm. I had uh, ruptured a disc in my neck and i couldn't was super pinched and all these nerves were jacked up to where i had no strength on the right side of my body Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of time to think because now you can't even practice. Right. And, um, and their favorite thing to do was if you were too hurt to be able to practice, you're still on the team. So uh, the strength coaches would – you'd be sent to the pit, right? And the pit was a place to where whatever you could do, they were going to make sure you physically did it enough to have earned – to have experienced that you had gone through a whole practice, so, like, if you only had the ability to use your left leg, they were going to wear out that left leg to its maximum potential. Now, in what universe? Because they want to keep guys from hiding from practice. They want to keep them in a warrior mindset. 100%. Just, just... You can't, yes. So they want to stop them from being able to think no. and function as normal human beings and <laughs> no. rationalize. The- no, the reality is, is that it's not a free, it's not a free ride. And you need to make sure that the guys that are like, oh, my foot's hurt. How hurt is your foot? Is it hurt enough to where you're going to go to the pit? Because the pit is worse than practice. This is like, my fingers hurt. Yeah, my finger. It- yeah, my leg. Oh, my leg. My leg. 
No, no, no. Oh, no, I went major pain. You're talking about Happy Gilmore. Yes. Yeah, my fingers, well, now your back's going to hurt. Yes. She just pulled landscaping duty. It's exactly what it is. Yes. So how hurt are your fingers? If they're not hurt, then buck up. Mm -hmm. Keep sewing that quilt, Grandma. Mm -hmm. And so that that is, for sure. It is. And that's the point of it. And so, but I, I am hurt, and I'm not playing, and I finally, it, it clicks. That, that, that notion of what are you going to do? What can you do for the team? For me, it was always about what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the NFL. I'm going to prove these people wrong that have been telling me all this time that I can't do it, that I'm not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of psychological mm -hmm. toll that's going on to where you are. You want to prove these people wrong. Mm -hmm. and But it's at this point, it hits me to where it's like, what does the team need? This is no longer about me because I've been doing what I've wanted to do or what I think I should do, and I'm getting ground up into hamburger. Right. And so I start to look at <clears throat> what does the team need? Where are areas where, okay, we have plenty of these players, plenty of these players. And so that's where I, I'm like, well, they need a long, they need a long snapper. Mm -hmm. The long snapper they've had has came in as a freshman, as a walk-on, and was a stud. Earned a scholarship. This is Smitty. This is Smitty. Yeah, mm -hmm. Smitty, Smitty was absolutely a stud. And um, kind of set that bar at this point as any other walk-on that came in. It's kind of him and Billy Lasko. Right. And these two guys that came in that were walk-ons and then earned their spots mm -hmm. at just being uh, just animals. Earned a scholarship were, and were playing, right, for years. Well, Smitty's going to graduate in a couple of years. Right. And so this is where it's like, well, there's nobody, there's really nobody else that's here. So it's I'm going to learn to do that. And so the only issue was what I just said. I, I'm going to learn to do that. I didn't know how to long snap, but I knew that there was a, a position that was open mm -hmm. in essentially in a year and a half. So that means I have a year and a half to learn how to long snap. And so that's where, that's kind of where my focus comes off of me and immediately goes onto the team to where it's like, I, I, I need to learn how to long snap. So I put together a plan and that plan was of uh, learning a snap, going to a camps, finding who the best long snapping coach was in the country. And I went and learned and then, and then only snapped whatever it was. I think it was uh, like a thousand, about a thousand balls a day mm -hmm. for an off season to where it's like, you go to class, you do all the stuff. But then when I got home, I was snapping. Because it's, I had to practice. Because the one thing is, as a walk-on, it's you're going to get one shot. Yes. At the opportunity to be able to play that position, um, and if you screw the pooch, when your number's called, yeah. you're done. Yeah. You're not going to get another opportunity. Right. Because there's going to be another guy, probably a scholarship guy, and guess what? That money's paid. He's paid for. Mm -hmm. You can't have him just sitting and getting a free meal. He's got it. He's got to produce. And so the uh, so. As I learn to long snap, I know that I need to also find another position on the team. So that's where I start getting really good at looking at, and now I really focus in on the special teams, is what are different things that I can do on the special teams um, that can help me earn another position. So I really start focusing on kind of no longer is it about me, but it's putting the same work ethic that I've been doing for years and now really strategically looking at these different aspects of the team that would be open or could I earn that spot or beat somebody out that's there. Mm -hmm. And it's way more strategy opposed to kind of playing the big positions that every kid wants to be. Right? Right. Everybody wants to be quarterback. Right. And ultimately, it's I earn, I, earn, I, I become 
a long snapper. I, I play uh, different spots that I earn starting positions at um, the different special teams teams. Ultimately, I earn a scholarship, get to actually play, play on the field for the 2008 National Championship. Mm-hmm. And so you felt like you actually earned that. Actually earned it. Right. right. Actually was a part of that process more. And then, um, right, and then have my master's degree gets paid for. Mm-hmm. By the, by, and all those things, all those things came from me taking a look at what the team needed and then driving towards those things. And just because I didn't know how to do it, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. That's well, like a minor detail. Well, and that's what I was going to say, but that's what makes you exceptionally unique is because I think for the rest of humanity, being able to be like, okay, well, there's a need for a long snapper, but I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. That's what most people think. And again, we had kind of breached this on other podcasts is the idea of like children and, and you're not a child at this point, but you're also not yet solidified in adulthood enough to like have your one thing. It's like, well, I can't do that. This is, I only do this, you know, whereas you're more experimentative when you're younger. Sure. But you, like I said, are unique in the fact that that's still applicable today because most people would have run and hit. And it's like, I can't do that. So I guess I'm done. You know, it either would have been, I continue to be ground up into hamburger and I die (laughs) and continue doing what I'm doing until I break or I quit. Yeah. And that's what most people do. But that's why, again, I, I like you because I'm your wife. Yeah, so so it's, it's, there it's, may be a lot of bias. There may be here, a little bit of bias. But it's what I've noticed from everybody else that has been either your mentor or, um, you know, uh, an, an acquaintance or a friend. And it's people seem to kind of uh, recognize that quality in you. And for you, it's always like nothing scares you. You know, you've had bosses that for other people is like, it's like, oh, you know, th- that that person is, is really overwhelming. And for you, it's you're not scared at all because Urban Meyer <laughs> is like the most intimidating. Yeah, no, there were co- for sure. That's that's not something that's like you're born with. That's something that you we talked about this a lot mm-hmm. uh, amongst a lot of the guys that were my close friends when we all played football together. It's there's nothing, literally nothing mm-hmm. that a boss will be able to do that'll ever come close to what our experience was with coaches playing football. Mm-hmm. And that's not just urban. Of just the mind the, screws oh, and just the intimidation absolutely. factor. Right. And the feeling, cause it's just, it's so strategic. Of, of making you feel like you are pushed into a corner and that you have to fight your way out. Mm-hmm. The only people, and we are a tiny, itty-bitty fraction, mm-hmm. the only people that can really say that they understand exactly what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. and we only understand to a tiny degree of what they do, mm-hmm. are military. Right. Oh, yeah. The dudes that are in yeah. the military have it to it an entirely other, hilariously more important right. uh, level of understanding right. of that concept. Right. And that's where our coaches were the very first ones to be like, this isn't war. Mm-hmm. So everybody needs to understand, but we are going to put you through hell. Right. On right? purpose. On purpose. Because you need to be able to produce. Right. And that's where, but it's, that's the only folks I think that truly are going to understand that, right? right? Of what it's like. And, and probably uh, going to be your your first responders and anybody that's like that, right? That goes right. through the ringer. The rigorous training. But for sure, just like you said, it's there's no boss. So it's just hilarious. People can be like, dude, you have no idea. Yeah. But it's what I think you being able to articulate 
the holes in what is needed has been able to translate really well as you've become an adult and you've worked for companies is as a kid, you reached a point, well, and I keep saying kid, and you weren't a kid. Because you were a kid, though. But, but I mean, you're, to yeah, be yeah, fair, though, it, it, if we're in our 30s now. Right, right. Right? Which we're kids to the 60 and 70-year-olds. Sure. And the reality is, is when we look at kids that are 18 and 19. You want to squish your They're kids. They're kids. So for sure, it's all perspective, but yeah. I get, but yeah, but it's when you were able to go through pain and suffering and be like, you know, what do I do? And you were able to figure your way out. So you've been able to apply that really well in organizations. And that's why now it's, and it's why you're holding my hand a lot through the development of our own company. But it's, there have been so many cases where people are like, well, you know, I want to be able to do this. And for you, it's like, okay, we'll do it. It's just, it's because you will figure out a way to do it. Even if you don't know how to do it yet, instead of doing what the rest of humanity, myself included, have a tendency to do, which is just, that's big and scary. I can't do that. How do I do that? It just, you have figured out in, in a very extreme way, which is division one collegiate football that is like on CBS every Saturday is you have figured out how to do it on that level. So in virtually any other situation, you have that gumption to just be like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to figure it out. And that doesn't mean that we are perfect every time, but that you have that ability to, to try and, yeah. and to give it, you know, a college effort on being able to figure things out. Because, again, you've done it on such a high level. Yeah, and it, I guess it, it was something that got perfected and learned right there of, of being able to identify those different things of what a need was. And then can, we, can it be done? Can, mm-hmm. can we do this? And putting that plan together. But that's that um, it wasn't it's not necessarily was a conscious thing. You know what I mean? Because it was just the goal that was at hand. It was I want to play. So what do I need to do to be able to play? And okay, I just need to do this. Okay, then we just want to do that. Right. And and my very first, our very first client, mm-hmm. right, was was working with StrongFit. Right. But that never was initially the goal. At least not wasn't not, not planned anyway. No, it wasn't it was a defined just was, goal. By right. Any, right. It was just that it was became obsessed. Mm-hmm. I became obsessed with wanting to try and fix myself from getting injured mm-hmm. and hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, constantly lifting. I deadlift. I'd feel great. And then, like, the next day I'd be getting out of the car. Well, I was going to say, we weren't even, we, we were, what, in our mid-20s? by mm-hmm. And, like, you had to physically lift up your left leg to put it in the car. and yeah, like f- football can... definitely ran a right, toll, right? right. Uh, but, and then I was getting hurt, you know, I was just getting hurt and just really odd situations that, uh, and I couldn't understand it. And so that's where we turned to strong fit with, uh, and Julian and, and Julian was so giving of his time initially. So that's where, um, the story kind of goes to where it's, I finally get to go to one of the seminars mm-hmm. and I've been up, I've been like st- stalker. Yeah. You, you, right? Yeah. It was, this is for a year of just consuming all this content and just all this awesome stuff. And this was, again, was where I was like, man, they're missing this piece. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being like, you know, Julie, have mm-hmm. you ever thought, finally get to speak to him, you know, five minutes, mm-hmm. speaking, speaking to your Jesus. I was going to say, you were yeah, fan, like you were fan like, girl quite a bit. I was girl, hardcore. Yeah. And it's, um, have you ever thought about doing this? 
And she's like, oh, you know, uh, no, but I, you know, you're hired. <laughs> I was like, excuse, excuse me? I remember I, I texted you. I was so flustered yes. that I locked my keys in, in the, the car. Yeah, and you missed out on lunch with And I didn't them. get to go to lunch. You had to call a locksmith. Oh, God, know? and the, the effing, the locksmith had to come out in Miami. In a hundred degree heat. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for the locksmith to show up. Oh. And oh, I was so discouraged. And but then, you were so happy. I was so happy. It was a, it was a very convoluted mix of emotions. Yeah, I just remember. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so yeah, so so waiting, but it got the five minutes, and then Julian's like, "Yeah, let's let's meet for you know let's coffee, meet for coffee, coffee the next day." And so that's kind of where it was. This is it, and so at that point, that's when it started mm-hmm. of me wanting to be able to try and work, and then it was questions came up, or there was needs that came up where it's like, "Can we do this?" Can we do that? Or things where I saw it, where I was like, hey, do you want me to take care of this for you guys? Let's mm-hmm. take care of this. Do you want me to handle this so you guys don't have to do this anymore? Mm-hmm. And little did I know that this was the birth of our, our company. Company, right. And and that's one thing that's neat is as you learn and as you progress. So all those different positions that I learned playing football, mm-hmm. it's once you know those things, it just builds Right. On top of each other. So this is where my confidence comes from when it comes to being able to then help StrongFit and ultimately now help our other clients. Right. To where it's, there's very few things where it's like, no. Yeah. There's no way. But right. if I say that there's no way on my end, I'm, I, it's because it, I know it's, that. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's not out of fear of yeah, like, it's, oh it's, gosh, no, no, I don't know like about this. There's it's, not enough time in the world. I'm yeah. not going to be able to figure this out. Right. But that's the beauty of, again, it's building relationships and knowing people that can do that right you know the reality is hey can you can you get shirts that are embroidered Mm -hmm. can you no i i physically can't do it but i know people that can right and we can get that started like so that's where it's as you build up this rolodex right yes for everybody that's over the age of 35 Mm -hmm. well we're we're not quite 35 but we still know what that is yeah but but we're 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 cool we're seasoned millennials exactly yes seasoned Um, it's as you build those relationships and you continue to foster those relationships. Now you have that ability to where you can plug and play Mm -hmm. lots of different things. Not only can you bring different skills to the jobs that you have because you constantly are willing to kind of say, yes, yes, I'm willing to, yes, I'm willing to learn. But then also now you can, uh, properly plug in. I was going to say, it makes it a lot easier when you're listening to people's pain points of thinking in your head, oh, well. That, that, that this would be really good here. We could, we could, we could have them, you know, meet with this person and we could intertwine these concepts. And so the, the more, you know, so to speak. Right. Is, yeah. And looking to just help bring value to people. Right. Is, is, is the name of the game. Right. Right. Cause it's kind of, let's bring value to those people first and kind of doing it genuinely. Right. Of bringing it, value. And then that's where, you know, the, the right, right. Without any intent of, you know, selfish interest, it truly becomes just about the, the more relationships that you build, the more knowledge that you gain by being able to plug and play with things is you are able to truly help other people yeah. by what you know. Right. Yeah. And that that's going to need to be a podcast all on its own because those are some things that we're starting to put into place of being able to just offer those, just that genuine assistance. 
Yes. Without any other uh, strings that are attached, and that and the kind of the, the payoff that we've been seeing on that end of just right. being willing to so, but yeah, so that that's that's what was neat. So we wanted to be able to to kind of go over our you know, bo- this, both our backstories, both our backstories, and this so this one is definitely is mine. It's a longer podcast, but that's where it's kind of the ability, the the challenge to people. Uh, to just be willing to say to say yes, mm-hmm. you know that things aren't as impossible as you would initially think. Mm-hmm. Um, hence the cheesy plug of I was gonna say it you're seems welcome. Mm-hmm. it's possible. Yeah, yeah. If that, if that was better thought out. We could have had a solid close just then. But with a jingle, like yeah. can we get a jingle for our company <laughs> that we can play? I'm sure. We can. So, but yeah. So that's um, that's all I got. Do big things. Say yes. Yeah. I don't know how to end it. That's it. We love you. Do you really dig what we are doing here on the It's Possible podcast? Do you feel like you just have the overwhelming sensation that you want to help buy an extra gallon of milk to help us feed our three growing monsters each month? Well, then we want you to do that too. We would hate to take away that opportunity for you. You can become a monthly supporter of the podcast today by going to bit.ly slash milk fund underscore it's possible podcast. Again, that's bit.ly slash milk fund underscore it's possible podcast. We appreciate it very much. We appreciate everybody that gives us feedback after each episode and we appreciate all of our monthly supporters helping make the podcast and our mission of doing what we want to do possible. We appreciate it.